Hello and welcome to the Perusia podcast. Uh, I'm Shabal Reish, your host. Very excited about our guest today. And uh, we're just, to, just to let everyone know, we are in the middle of the Advent pilgrimage. Uh, day 11 today, uh, we have the video of King Solomon go up. Uh, Dr. Andrew Wood presented that. Yesterday was uh, King David, uh, Sonia Corbett. And because of the global audience here in this pilgrimage, uh, the dateline, so happy feast or of the Immaculate Conception to those still uh, celebrating that. Um, and those yesterday who celebrated it, thank you and, and happy feast to you. Um, it was also a commemoration of the 150 year anniversary of St. Joseph, patron of the church. And so that's another major feast. So happy feast of Immaculate Conception. And also let's say St. Joseph, pray for us. And um, uh, very special time. We are only getting warmed up in the pilgrimage. It's still only week two. We've still got week three and week four. And this is our second live show. And we're gonna, we've got none other than the man himself uh, from Chastity Project, Jason Everett, joining live from the United States. And he's just authored a brand new book, along with Matt Frad, fellow Aussie, uh, Forged. Here it is in my hand. And uh, excellent. What I love about it, uh, just right away, let me just read this. Good men don't need more reasons why it's wrong to use women online, in their imagination or in reality. What they need and what they want are effective strategies to win daily battles and to obtain lasting freedom and victory in the war against lust. And so there's a 33-day um, uh, program designed to help us overcome that. This book maps it out. We're going to talk about it with Jason Evan himself. Hello, Jason. How are you doing? Hey, it's good to be with you today. Thanks for joining us. Um, congratulations on, on, on another book. Uh, this is quite exciting um, uh, to be doing a book like this. Uh, very, very, very exciting. Just launched in America and now officially in Australia, New Zealand. So we're very excited yeah. to bring that. Oh, no, I'm thrilled. We just got, you know, I just got my first copy in the mail a couple of days ago. And so just super pumped up with how it turned out. Couldn't be happier. Praise God. Well, before we um, get uh, underway, could I invite you to start prayer for us? Absolutely. So in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the gift of life and of love. We ask you to bless our conversation today. Send the Holy Spirit to be with us, not only to direct our words, but the hearts of all those who may listen, uh, that they may prepare their hearts to be a little Bethlehem uh, in preparation for the coming of Christ in a few weeks. Uh, We ask a blessing upon all our marriages, our families, a blessing of peace and the gift of purity and prayer this Advent season. We entrust our time to Our Lady together as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray Pray for for us sinners now now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, pray pray for for us. us. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. What a uh, fitting feast, Immaculate Conception. Uh, the idea of purity, the idea, and this is the one area uh, that Satan seemed to attack, right, right from the beginning. And I just wanted to, uh, I found it interesting that the readings uh, doing Divine Office uh, uh, morning prayer, they had um, the, they had the, in the, um, the antiphon there, it, it was quoting Genesis 3.15. <laughs> I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And I thought, wow. The church has the church um, has deliberately reminded us of how far back this goes. The um, this idea of uh, lust and, and and sin against the flesh. And I just uh, I love the work that you've been doing for many years now, promoting chastity, promoting purity. But but now you've come up with this. What? Why now? What what gave you the idea of this book forged at, at a time like this? 
Well, I mean, a couple, a couple of reasons. I mean, for years after our talk, guys will come up to us and say, hey, man, I'm really addicted to this stuff. I'm trying to break free from porn or I keep messing up with my girlfriend or dad saying, well, how do I bring this message to my kid and how do I live it out in my own marriage? And we would kind of just give them like a hodgepodge answer. Well, we'll try this resource and check out that app and then go to this website and read that blog. And I just kept thinking like, man, I just wish I had one thing I could just give a guy and say like, look, just do this. And it's going to be the, all the best tools that the church has to offer not just from a perspective of psychology or spirituality or neurology, but something that can all weld it together, um, like for a truly human approach. Because a lot of people think, oh, well, the, the problem's lust, or no, 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 the, the problem's idleness, or the problem is unhealed sexual wounds. And a lot of times all these things are playing a role in, in why we can't find freedom. And until we're really addressing this issue or that issue, we might be, you know, falling back into the same old mistakes. So I figured, okay, let's put together a program, like 33 days and every day kind of hit on a different topic to go deep. And one of the cool things about the book is on day one, you just, you know, submit your email on our website and we're going to send you every day of the 33 days, a different video uh, from a different presenter. So it's not me and Matt Frad each day. You know, we got day one and two, it's me and him. But then we've got Father Jacques Philippe and Father Mike Schmitz going at it from a, a spirituality perspective, or Sister Marian James. We've got psychologists, psychiatrists discussing the neurology, the physiology, the, the withdrawal. You know, then we look at it from human relationships, just authentic masculinity. We've got, you know, Chris Stefanik on there. We've got, uh, you know, as I said, Matt Frad, Paul J. Kim. On one of the videos uh, called Lift Up Your Hearts, we have 38 awesome, beautiful, single, young, devout Catholic women encouraging these guys. Uh, you know, just 15 seconds apiece, just calling these guys on to lift up their hearts and to, to fight for their future vocation, their future bride. And so it's much more than just a book. You know, it's a journey with these spiritual exercises. And then every day is supplements all these videos to help you to stay on track. And so it's just with great confidence now we have this thing and we can just give the guys, like I'm doing it with my 14 year old son. So we get up every morning, we do the prayers in it, we do the exercises, watch the video together. Because a lot of dads wanna give this message of purity, but they don't know how to deliver it. And so we create the resource and you can just plug it in and play and then uh, run it through for 33 days for your own relationship with your wife and with your kid and God willing his future bride one day as well. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, just flicking through the book and what you're saying, it's not just a straightforward book or booklet, um, typical that you just read through from cover to cover. You've got all these different di dimensions. And as you say, the daily, um, the daily progress, this book is broken up into parts. So we've got preliminary days. We've got the furnace, part one, purified for strength. We've got part two, the hammer and the anvil shaped for a purpose. And then part three, the grinding stone, polished for perfection, <laughs> loved it. And then finally, you got uh, forged to fight and uh, end notes over there. The, all these different sections in the book itself. Um, the idea behind behind that, it's not just, I mean, you, you could have just did one to 33 days, but why within those 33 days you have these, these sections broken up? Well, kind of keeping a theme of like forge, like if you want to forge a blade, I mean, you start off with kind of this rough metal. And the first thing you do is you got to immerse it in the furnace. And mm. that you know, heats it up to a temperature about 2000 degrees, which doesn't actually, in a sense, strengthen it and makes it malleable and softer. But when it then cooled off, that, that heat actually rearranges the crystal structure of the steel, making it more strong. But during that process, when it's soft, that you can pound on it, shape the thing. But then when it cools down, you can polish it to perfection. So it's actually stronger after the forging process than it was before because of how this whole thing rearranges it, you know, on a microscopic level. And so we decided let, let's take the same approach with men. 
you know, let's come on in and let's, let's put you in the furnace first. You know, let's, let's take a deep dive under the hood, you know, into the roots that might be behind some of these things. Like, you know, where's this coming from? Like, did you get exposed to stuff when you were a kid? What was going on in your life at that time? And it's not just pornography, but it could be impurity with yourself, your imagination, girlfriend, whatever. You really got to get down to those roots because if you're just treating it like lust is the only problem you got to fight, then it's like cutting the leaves off of a wheat without going down to the root system and healing that. So are you messing up when you're bored and lonely and angry and stressed out and tired? Well, we got to find more mature ways to deal with those states of desolation than running to porn or lust or whatever as some false consolation. We got to identify those triggers and really renounce in our hearts the affection that we have created with sin. Because a lot of times we don't want to pray what Jesus said, that, you know, pray that you may not enter into temptation because we kind of want to enter into temptation. Like, well, I want to kind of taste it a little bit, but then have the heroic strength to renounce it and be victorious. And God's like, no, 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 that's not the route. You have to renounce your affection for sin to actually sacrifice your desire to be tempted itself, enter into accountability. So the first stage, we're really kind of, you know, breaking these guys down. After the first week, you might not feel stronger, but you're going to be more malleable. And, and then we move into like how to build up accountability, how to guard your peace when you mess up and how to, you know, pray for your temptations. And those moments when you feel weak, instead of seeing women as like the occasion of sin, you can actually intercede for her and to pray for her, to use that invitation of the beauty of her body as an invitation to love her rightly. And then we move into go to counseling if you need to. And then finally, the prayers, the sacraments, and all the graces that we're going to need. Because it's not some human effort alone. It's only with divine assistance that we can actually live this out. So that's kind of the trajectory of the journey that we walk these guys through. You know, we take a deep dive and it's going to require some effort and asking yourself some tough questions, you know, like, why am I going back to this stuff? Like, what is that thirst deep down that it's promising to quench in me? Because a lot of times there's a legitimate need that's, you know, crying out. And if you're just taught to shame your desires and shame those attractions, you have to actually listen to them a little bit, not to obey them, but to like, where is this coming from? Why do I ache so much for fulfillment in that way? And how do I fulfill that in a natural and a healthy and a holy way? So that it's not just repressing and stuffing everything, but kind of taking a deep look, lifting that up to God and asking for his healing. That's brilliant. That's a great overview. Um, and, and just to give people an idea, I mean, that's how you start the whole preliminary days. You've got, what are, what are you looking for? Where are you right now? That's fantastic. And where is your hope? They're the first three chapters, first three days dedicated to the preliminary days that lay the foundation. Um, and there is this false sense of freedom. As you said, you know, we do want to touch a bit of, be tempted a little bit. We do want to taste a little bit. Um, and, and how do we identify that? The false notion of freedom out there. Um, and if we can touch on that, you know, are we free, truly free by, by um, just going to, to porn over and over and over again? Um, or is it the exact opposite? And, and so can we touch on that? This, this false sense of freedom. Um, we, do, we, yeah. do we believe we're free by going there? And could you touch on that, explain why we are not free? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's different definitions of freedom. And yes. the most modern one, you know, widely accepted in today's secular culture is just basically the license, the mm. ability to do whatever I want. But in a sense, authentic human freedom, and this is a strange definition, is not necessarily the ability to do whatever you want, 
but the ability to do what you do not want to do in order to do what is good. And so if I can't even say no to my sexual impulses, my yes to them means nothing. I'm not free to love a woman if I can't even control my own desires and my own imagination. That's not freedom. It's sexual slavery in a sense that like I can't say no and you're a slave to whatever controls you. So either the man will control his passions or his passions will control the man. And so authentic freedom, I think your freedom is really best measured by your capacity to love. Whatever impairs your ability to love, whether it be your pride or your anger or your lust or your self-absorption or whatever it is, it is to that extent that you are not free. And so when you look at the saints like Mother Teresa or St. John Paul II or whatever, and they're not looking at porn and doing all these bad things, not because they're not free, it's because they're truly free. You know, so, so, so sexual sins promise us that, that liberation, oh, I can do whatever I want, you know, but when it comes down to it, the day comes to actually love a woman and you can't. All you know how to do is take your own pleasure. It's, there's a, an ancient Jewish analogy of just this, I think it was a skylark, some bird, and it would trade yeah, something, I don't know if it was food or whatever, for one of his feathers. And it's like, yeah, I, I can, I can get, afford to give away one feather. I'll still be able to fly. Just, just one by one starts trading feathers one at a time for this other thing that he wanted. And then the day comes to actually fly and he just had one feather too few and he couldn't even get off the ground. Mm. And so that's a lot of times what happens with these addictions is just one by one, we start to give things away. I mean, even a more vivid analogy, I had read once that apparently Inuit Indians, uh, kind of Eskimos up in North America, way up top, apparently if a wolf would come onto their territory um, in order to, you know, a wolf could kill their livestock, their kids, they had to get rid of it, but they wouldn't confront the wolf. What they would do is take some blood from an animal that eaten or hunted or whatever, pour that on the blade of a knife. And then they would bury the handle of that knife into the snow with the blade sticking out and they just go to bed. Now wolves can smell blood from miles away. So you'd find that and it would come up and at first it's cautious, but it can smell the frozen blood and it, and it starts licking it and it tastes the blood. So it gets more excited. Now, as it begins to warm up that blood off of the blade, the edges of the blade start to be exposed. It starts nicking and cutting its own tongue. But because its tongue is numb from the cold blood, it doesn't realize that it's tasting its own blood at this point. It begins to lick more ravishly ravenously because it's tasting fresh blood. And eventually the frozen blood is taken off, replaced by the own. And within hours, the animal is completely dead from loss of blood. And this is a bit of a morbid analogy, but what it happens with sexual sin that at first you taste it and it's like, there don't seem to be any consequences. It's like, well, Hey, I, I looked at that and you know, I didn't die. I didn't get struck by a bolt of lightning. My marriage didn't fall apart. My girlfriend still likes me. Okay. Well, what's a little bit more. And then it, what ends up happening is, as C.S. Lewis said, an ever uh, greater desire or craving in exchange for an ever diminishing reward. And so we want it more and more, but the pleasure we get out of it is less and less. So we have to up the ante and look at more of it for longer at different forms and more perversion and more violence and this. And it drags guys down this slippery slope where at one point it's just I'm looking at swimsuit magazines. And the next minute I'm looking for prostitutes cheating on my wife. And so it brings you down that slope. And so what we got to do is get down to the roots, heal this thing so you can authentically be free to love. That's a fantastic analogy. Uh, it is, as you said, morbid, but uh, wow, how, it, how it, it certainly does paint a picture 
um, uh, how damaging this can be. And many many people out there, we, we don't really un we underestimate how um, I guess widespread pornography is. We let's let's paint a picture of how big this issue is because many of us might be thinking, I don't look at porn, and you know um, maybe people who uh, many men, uh, but women as well, uh, they're not immune to this. But uh, they, we might think, oh yeah, I don't, I don't look at Playboy magazines, or I'm not, I'm not doing that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm okay. But, but it does creep in, doesn't it? I mean, and through, uh, it could be simple social media, or, or um, just watching TV, or how, I mean, how does it creep into the average man or average person uh, today with all of the technology we have? Um, it, we might not be looking at hard porn right now, but is there such thing as a sort of soft porn? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's hard to even grasp how prevalent it's become because, I mean, parents buy their seventh grader, you know, iPhone, here you go. They don't put some internet filter on there. And so within weeks, that kid is immersed often into a world of porn, whether it's on Instagram or Snapchat or wherever, it's all on there. Mm -hmm. And how much are they looking at it? Well, one of the most popular porn sites here in the States releases their annual statistics. And a couple of years ago, they said in one year, people spent on their porn website alone a total of 4.5 billion hours watching porn. Now you do the math, that's 500,000 years of human life wasted on one porn site in one single year. And odds are those guys and girls looking at that porn could probably do something greater for humanity with half a million years of life than they did lusting after pixels on their computer. And so what happens, the parents get the junk or the adults and the Kids find the dad's porn stash. The kid gets addicted to it. Where does it go from there? Uh, one of the most, uh, I was watching this interview of a woman. She's a pediatric nurse who helps children, survivors of sexual abuse. And she said, you know what we're seeing working with these little kids? The number one perpetrator of sex abuse against kids is not a live-in boyfriend or some perverted uncle down the street. Mm -hmm. It's 11 to 15-year-old boys who've been exposed to pornography because they see the stuff and then their little sister has a slumber party with their nine-year-old cousin and the parents are asleep and stuff happens in the basement and it never gets reported. And then these poor girls drag these wounds of sexual abuse into their own adulthood and into their marriages where then it begins to, to manifest. And so, because it was never taken care of or healed. And so the, the generational impact of this is devastating. And so we've got to nip this in the bud within the marriages, within the kids on their cell phones, you know, teaching parents how to look out for this stuff, how to set up internet security at home. Because a lot of these parents, I mean, God bless them. They, you know, they don't even know how to open an email attachment and their kid is like hacking into the government's website for fun after school. It's like, you know, we got to catch up a little bit here, parents. Yeah, that's such a good point. Let's talk to the parents now, as you mentioned it. Um, many may be in denial. You know, my children don't look at this stuff. They're only they're not even teenagers. I mean, they're not, they're not looking at it. They're, they're doing the best they can to keep them pure. Yeah, we're talking about devout Catholic families as well out there trying to do their best. But this, what are some of the traps or what are some of the, um, how is it hidden? You know, sometimes they may not realize that their children are looking at it. And you, you mentioned the smartphone. That's one, one entry point. Uh, are there other things that we can look out for? How do we know if our children, um, you know, and you mentioned ages of 11 and even nine. I mean, this is, this is alarming. Uh, you know, they're not teenagers; <laughs> they're, they're preteens. How do we? Yeah. How do we get to the truth of it? How do we know if our children, such a young age, are actually in, engaged in this stuff? Yeah. Well, one thing that's it's not so much that your kid is looking at porn as much as porn is looking for your kid. 
And mm. so one of the things porn websites do is called porn napping. They buy up domain names that belong to other web companies and fill those sites with porn. So I guess what, 28 of the websites, the most popular children's toys and games have now been taken and used is porn sites. And so your kid Googles for your favorite toy, brings them to this garbage or your kids over grandma's house. In fact, they found one of the most common places that kids are seeing porn now is at grandma's house because the kids come over and she's like, oh, here's an iPad, go have fun in the other room. And the kid gets on there, maybe start playing some innocent little app looking video game. looks like it's for kids. But in order to play the next game, you've got to watch a five second commercial and the commercial, like who knows what could pop up on that junk. And so that's what we found with our kids. They're, they're finding this stuff on these totally innocent looking video games. And it's like, okay, well, we got to delete that thing. And we got to, we put covenant eyes on the devices, which catches the stuff. So I tell parents go to covenanteyes.com. And that will give you um, a filter that will not only block the porn, it'll send you a report on your computer every day for all the stuff that everybody's looking at on their phones, devices. And if you go to Covenant Eyes, use the promo code Chastity, you can try that software out for a month for free. And to me, it's kind of a non-negotiable. You got to set this stuff up. Mm. And we got to teach the kids the responsible use of technology. It's not like we can shelter them 100% and then kick them out the house when they're 18 and think they're going to know how to do this. Now, at some point, the training wheels have to come out. At some point, they have to become their own filter. But in the meantime, the parents need to learn how to check internet histories. You need to have app passwords and stuff that you could set up and know your kids' passwords and all their social media stuff and limit the time. Like, there's no reason on earth some like a 12-year-old girl needs a phone in a room at 11 o'clock at the night. I mean, put that thing to bed in your room as the parent. Because otherwise, your kid's going to get on Pinterest and Instagram, start scrolling around, going to bed, looking at everybody else's perfect body and perfect hair and perfect boyfriend, and then just feel inferior to all of them and then just go to bed. That's not what they need. And so give that thing a curfew, put it to bed in your room on your nightstand, because that's your phone. You're just letting them use it if they can do so responsibly. Yeah, that's a great point. Great tip. Um, you, do you go through, I mean, throughout the book, all these different themes, uh, there's lots of uh, tips and even strategies of, of overcoming the action. I love the take action part in each theme. You know, in part one, uh, the furnace uh, section, lift up your hearts, know your enemy, which is important. Get to the roots, identify your triggers, uh, renounce your affection for sin, redeem fatherhood, build brotherhood, be absolved. This is all in section one. Keep track, guard your peace. Love it. All those themes that you talk about. And there are um, not only can you read this on your own in the book, you can actually watch the little videos from those different guest speakers you were talking about in the in in uh, the program there. So how this is this is um, one a day. Read read the little chapter, then take action and watch the video. How how can you talk about just let's unpack here the furnace? All those themes I just touched on. How do we? Um, I mean, fatherhood, brotherhood, the triggers, the, the enemy. Let's pick one here. I mean, identify your triggers. Could we, could we pick that one, for example? Um, how do we know, Al, what triggers? What are the triggers? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we touched on it a little before, but you can remember the acronym BLAST, B-L-A-S-T, and think of, okay, when am I messing up? Is it when I'm bored, lonely, mm. angry, stressed, or tired? And during those moments where you kind of feel low, um, you're going to want consolation. That's normal. I mean, that, that's just human. But our affective maturity, kind of the maturity of our uh, emotions and things like that, it's greatly measured by what we do in moments of desolation. Because when I'm feeling low or bored or lonely or whatever, am I going to get drunk? 
Am I going to just get on my phone and just mindlessly roll through social media for an hour and a half? Am I getting online looking at porn? Am I cheating on my wife? Like, what am I doing? Because if I never learn how to deal with those things in a mature way, I might have the body of a 32-year-old guy, but have the emotional maturity of an 11-year-old. And so there's lots of these grown men out there, you know, and that's why a lot of women are like, well, I want to get married, but I'm 27 and there's no godly men within five hours of the state that I live in. And a lot of this is because pornography has emasculated men. It's made them tremendously effeminate. And I say that because it was Thomas Aquinas who defined effeminacy as the refusal of a man to let go of what is pleasurable in order to do what is difficult and good. And so porn has effeminized the globe as far as I'm concerned when it comes to men because it's made it so easy to get pleasure. You just click a button, bam, you're there. Like you don't have to do hard work. You don't have to face the fear of rejection by asking a woman on a date when you can just click a a button and see 100 billion supermodels throwing themselves at you. And it's made men soft spiritually, emotionally when it comes to character and the virtues. But men know deep down this isn't me. Like I want to be stronger, but I just keep messing up. You know, so one of those steps is, well, what's your trigger? You know, because if we don't deal with those things, it's almost like, you know, during Lent, you're not eating meat on Friday and then you drive by some fast food restaurant, you smell it and you're like, wow, that smells delicious. And it's like, dude, no, like that's like dog meat in there. But you just think it smells good because you haven't had meat since Thursday night. So your appetites, you know, are kind of high alert. And so a lot of times it's the same thing. Like, is there a lack of human connection in my life? When I'm looking at porn, is there a deep wound of not having been seen Is there a deep wound of wanting to see of being connected? Like what's going on there? Like we got to take the time to get down to those roots, identify your triggers. And if it's like, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm messing up? It's when I'm bored. It's after school. It's at three 30 in the afternoon. My parents aren't home. I've got the internet to myself. It's like, okay, now we're starting to nail down, not just the occasion of sin, but the location of this sin, the state of your mood. Okay. Now we got to come up with a new strategy. You're bored at three 30. Go work out, go for a jog, go over your friend's house, go out in public, like go do something. And so that way we're actually getting a solution to the root cause and the trigger instead of just that false consolation. And then if we can habitually do this, then as you grow into manhood and stress comes in your marriage and stress comes at work and stress comes from this and that, we know, okay, it's stressful. That's okay. But I'm not just going to go binge myself on false consolations that aren't going to take away the problem. They're just going to create new ones. That's brilliant. Uh, thank you. Um, and that's an insight for what people can expect when they read this book um, and enter into this program. Uh, you did touch on something very important. You know, we become soft and also we, we lose our virtues. So th- what we're saying is porn can affect not only... So the church doesn't just say it's a sin because it's bad and, and that's it and, and full stop, cl- case closed. It actually does affect other areas of our life. Um, and, and how so? So we become soft not just in asking... <laughs> women out, but, but what are other areas that porn affects, um, uh, you know, the way we eat or the way we, we, we seek pleasure in other things? Um, does it affect other areas of our life and how? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I just look at somebody like my, my state of life. I'm married. I got kids. If I were looking at pornography, I mean, really, what authority do I have whatsoever to tell my kids to obey the church's teachings on human sexuality before marriage? if I'm unwilling and unable to obey the church's teaching on sexuality 
inside of marriage because your kids aren't always going to obey you, but they'll never fail to imitate you. And so this virtue of chastity is more easily caught than it is taught. And so if I want my kid to be humble, I should just act that way. You know, it's the same thing with the purity of heart. If I want to lead my family spiritually, I mean, it's a really blunt analogy, but you know, pardon me, but if, if, a, if a dad or a husband is hooked on porn, it's a spiritual vasectomy. I mean, his capacity to transmit the supernatural life to his family is severed from him until he can actually heal that and mend that. And then he can give spiritual life to the family. And so this is why the devil wants to take out the head, because if you just cut off the head of the snake, man, you don't have to worry about the rest of the body. And so in the same respect, God wants to go after men even before they get to their vocations, because could you even imagine how many marriages don't exist today because of porn? Like how many guys never entered the priesthood because of porn? I mean, it's incalculable, you know, the, the fallout, because I mean, 100 years ago, men just grew up so much faster. I mean, I remember listening to a priest this week and he was talking about like, dude, a century ago, even less half century ago, if you were 18 years old and you weren't like getting ready to get married, like you were looked at as like some like, dude, what are you waiting for? Dude, grow up. I mean, 18 years old, you better be ready to get that job. You better be ready to raise a family. Come on, man, you're 18. Mm. And now we've got like 28 year old guys who are like playing video games and living in their mom's basement. And they're light years away from where 18 year olds were a century ago. And so I think porn has played a huge role, not only in the emasculinization of the man, but just the lack of maturation in them as well. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Um, that does, I imagine uh, porn has, has been responsible for so many, uh, uh, so many different sins, but, but let, let's think of those you mentioned there, priests, and we've, we've just gone through a whole hall and it's still people uh, have been uh, really judging the church in, in a big way, and rightly so for a lot of the sex, sexual abuse crimes. Is there a link? Do you think, and, and if, you, if you were to peel out all the layers going right to the core of the issue, going back uh, decades and decades, is pornography a major is, uh, reason that led some of these priests to um, commit the crimes that they have? Oh, yeah. I mean, w without a doubt. I mean, is it the only factor? No, it's no, not. No. You know, a lot of these people, you know, have been sexually abused themselves as they were kids mm. that never entered their own healing process. And a lot of them entered the priesthood is kind of this costume to put on. And, you know, maybe they had good hearts and I want to help people in this and that. But they're like, hey, I don't feel called to marriage because I'm kind of broken in this area. And so I'll, I'll just become a priest and I'll be respected and loved. And I'll, because, I mean, if you became a priest back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, I mean, it was just celebrate. Like, oh, that's fantastic. Your kid became a priest, whatever. Nowadays, you become a priest and it'd be like, you know what you're getting into? I mean, people are going to like spit on you on the sidewalk thinking like pulling. I, I, I know priests that walk through airports and like mothers pull their children away you know, from him as he's walking by in the airport, as if he's going to like sexually abuse some kid in public and just that. But that's why a lot of the guys become priests nowadays are like solid as a rock. They're like, yeah, I know what I'm getting into. You know, I'm going straight to the front lines of the war and the battle. But yeah, no, pornography is at the root of so much of this stuff. Just, and I see it on a regular basis of how it distorts the vocations. I remember just meeting a girl this last week and she talked to me about how her dad was caught with child pornography and he had actually molested her as well. And now she's in a lesbian relationship with this other girl at her school. And, uh, and she said, she knows a lot of this just has to do with her only experiences she's had with the man. 
were just so broken and messed up from her own father's abuse and the porn and all that stuff that he was into. And she like wants to enter into a relationship with a man and husband and all that, but she doesn't even have to see how to get from point A to point B with that much brokenness. And the man who was supposed to protect her from all of the stuff was the one victimizing her in this area. I mean, I've met girls who told me that well, they want to enter into marriage, but make sure it's a celibate marriage. And when you got like a 15 year old girl telling you she wants to enter into a celibate marriage and you start, you know, like you say, peeling off those layers, the onion, you get underneath there. And all she's seen of human intimacy is internet porn on her phone. And if that's what that is, count me out. Yeah. I want companionship and friendship and all that stuff. But if it's going to involve that stuff, then count me out. And so, yeah, I mean, it's at the root of an unbelievable number of social ills that are afflicting our society. Wow. I mean, as you're speaking there, just the thought, this is, this is a catch-22 problem in relationships. I mean, men who, many men are seeking um, uh, affection, are seeking to, to they, want, they want to have sexual, they want to have sex, they want to, they want to, they want to express their love, but they're, they're more and more being trapped in this, in this uh, p- the porn trap where they prefer that. Uh, unfortunately, they're becoming less intimate physically with their spouses or, or partners. Um, and then what, what's happening? Women are being scarred and not wanting to be intimate with their, with their spouses. And so look at the effect. It's sort of a double-edged sword here. Women don't want to be affectionate with their spouses because of the way that men are treating. And the men are losing that purity in, in that act and that should be sacred or should be the most important uh, form of showing their love. And so there, there's a vicious vicious cycle here, um, what yeah. you're describing. Um, marriages, I mean, a lesson here for married men, married women. Uh, boy, oh boy, porn uh, is, is really uh, at the root of a lot of these problems. Um, but how do, now, you, you do, a t- you do uh, I mean, it takes 33 days to overcome it. Um, you know, we can't go through every single chapter here, but, uh, you know, those in, in marriage, let's, let's just, uh, let's start there. If they've, if they've, they've married, they've, you know, we've got parents, they've got children, can they turn it around? Can they have a better, uh, pure um, sex life? You know, how do they undo any any damage that's been done? And and can they can they get there to where they're meant to be? Can is every like is every case um, uh, able to be saved? You know, are there are there? There's no lost cause, <laughs> is my point. Um, and so let's look at a married couple. <laughs> um, yeah, how do they turn it around? I mean, obviously every case is unique in terms of what's going on. Because I mean, some of these people have valid sacramental marriages Mm -hmm. and they've hit a big bump in the road. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe this was a red flag she saw early on, but kind of, oh no, we'll work through this. And and then it just kind of ugly reared its ugly head within marriage. And then in other instances, you've got guys who are kind of full-blown sex addicts getting married, kind of like those you know, those priests who became abusive entered into, into priesthood as a costume. A lot of times guys are entering into marriage and totally incapable of forming that sacramental bond because of how broken they are. And yeah, they walk down the aisle as singles, but they walk back up that aisle as singles as well. They never entered into a valid sacramental marriage. And then all this stuff blew up in marriage and could end in divorce. And, and, and that would be the case for an annulment sometimes. And so every single case is different. I mean, that, that's the case I know of a friend of mine. I mean, he was hiding his porn addiction from his fiance and they got married and then he started resuming going to strip clubs and stuff. And then it came to the surface on how he was hiding all this stuff. And so they ended up getting an annulment, divorce, all that. I mean, heartbreaking. 
but she was able to enter into a valid sacramental happy marriage with a wonderful man and married for like 20 years. Now, on the other case, you're hoping we can save these marriages, right? Because a lot of times there's kids involved. But what needs to happen is for the man to give back to the woman what St. John Paul II called the peace of the interior gaze, meaning that's the way Adam originally looked at the naked body of Eve. And because of the purity of his heart, she had peace in hers, knowing that the way he looked at her was not as some thing to be used for his gratification, but the beauty of her body revealed his invitation to love her as God loves her. And that gave her deep peace. But now when a man looks at a woman as a collection of body parts to, to be obtained for his gratification, the woman intuits that deeply. And it creates a restlessness a, of that vulnerability and resentment toward the man. It blocks real intimacy. And I got an email from a young woman who's dating a guy still struggling with porn. I'll just read it to you. And here's what she said. She said, I got uncomfortable with guys who look at that stuff. It's like they all have this negativity and bitterness inside they have to get out. And sometimes the things they say or laugh at makes you feel so weird and the idea of going on your honeymoon with this guy is not attractive or even comfortable anymore. So we broke up a month ago. But God bless that girl for breaking up a month ago. Because the last thing she needs is a husband, you know, who thinks, oh, well, it's not a big deal. I'm not actually doing it. My wife's kind of a prude because she doesn't let me bring porn into the bedroom. So I feel more excited about being with her. It's like, no, thank goodness she had the backbone to let go of that guy who wasn't ready. Not only to get married, wasn't even ready to date. And so, yeah, you hope healing is possible. And a lot of times you want to get counseling involved. And if your spouse won't go to you with you, then you go get counseling yourself and see, okay, what needs to happen for this guy to know that, look, you don't get to have your pixels and your person. You get one or the other and you need to pick or you're going to lose it all because porn is cheating in marriage. When you look at that stuff, it's infidelity. You don't blame it on your spouse because she's prude. You got to look into your heart and realize there's something here that needs to get healed or I could risk losing everything. And so women shouldn't put up with it, shouldn't have to. And you shouldn't date guys who look at that stuff either because it isn't going to go away when you give a guy a wedding ring on the big day. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, you're uh, thinking of Jesus Christ's words. He ups the ante, doesn't he? Those who are committed adultery sin, but those who actually commit adultery in their heart, if they think about uh, just even thinking in our thoughts. Um, and so looking at pixels, you know, we might, we might think it's not the reality. And it isn't reality, but what, it, it does lead to our mind. And so it's just as bad as doing the real thing. Uh, there's no difference. If you're looking at um, porn as, um, as, as well as going to a, uh, a brothel, I mean, what's the difference? <laughs> you, you're still you're still participating, aren't you? Um, yeah, I mean, pornography literally means in the Greek, the writings or drawings of the prostitutes. Hmm. And so, I mean, it's just visual prostitution. It's all it is. Um, uh, we've been speaking about men a lot. Uh, now, women, may, maybe two things here. What What are the signs for the women? And I guess any 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 person, but, but particularly, what are the signs early on? So someone who is in the dating game, they're looking, they're, they're falling in love uh, for someone. Are there signs to look out for, um, warning signs that, that this person could be, um, I guess, trapped or enslaved to, to porn? Are there, are there any signs? I mean, I think the first place to look is in your own heart as a woman. Mm -hmm. Like, are you at peace with the way he looks at you? Mm. Are you at peace with the, his gestures towards you? Uh, his forms of affection, are they pure towards you? Or is he just kind of, 
you know, a lot of these guys will throw little sexual jokes here and there, kind of like they're just throwing bait out there into the water and seeing, okay, you know, am I going to get a bite here? Is she going to giggle back about this little perverted joke? Um, let's kind of test out the waters and see if, you know, she's going to like that little joke. And I'll throw out another one because they, they want to see, okay, you know, is this acceptable? Is she going to put up with this stuff or is she going to vomit me up, which she should. And so main thing, look at your heart, trust your gut, trust your intuition. Because just because a guy goes to church, doesn't mean he's all, you know, you know, clean as can be when it comes to this stuff. So a lot of the times, unfortunately, these guys are in the young adult communities. They're in the youth groups still wrestling with this stuff. And so you want to take it slow and don't just try to figure it out all on your own. Tap into the wisdom of your friends and your family. Hey, mom, dad, what do you think about this guy? Get your girlfriends to assess this guy. Because, you know, a lot of times they can see stuff we can't. It's like reading a book two inches from your face. It's blurry. You can't hold it at a distance, it becomes clearer. So keep that relationship pure because a lot of guys will say they're willing to be pure if that's what you want to do. But like, no, you don't want a guy who just respects and tolerates your morality. You want a man who shares your morality because a lifetime is quite a long time to spend with a man. And you want a man who's going to lead you as well as your kids closer to heaven because that's the whole purpose of, of marriage is to populate it with you, your spouse, and your kids. And so find a man who's worthy of that task. And then also to stay away from it yourself, because guys aren't the only ones who struggle with porn. A lot of girls start looking at it out of curiosity, like, what do I need to look like? Or what do I need to do? And who do I need to be? But like the women just got to understand, like you were not created to be porn, you're created to be loved. And if we can get rid of that junk, then we can be free to love. Beautiful, beautiful. We can be free to love. I love it. Um, let, let's, this is like, as you look at all these chapters, day 33, let me fast forward here. You literally title the uh, chapter, Live in Freedom. Live in Freedom. And this is what we're talking about. We started this show talking about um, uh, freedom. Um, and let's end it uh, on, on, this, on this area. We were leaving slavery um, into freedom. And if we can't live without porn, that means that's a big sign that we are addicted and that we are enslaved to it. And so how, breaking free is the key. And once we're free, life and happiness and joy is just going to be overwhelming uh, more than we can ever desire. Can we talk about what will it look like, a world without porn? Um, what is the goal here? I mean, if more men, you have written it, is it specifically for men, this book, or is it uh, for both men and women? Yeah, this book is specifically for the guys. I mean, a girl could certainly watch the videos, read the books and get a ton out of it. But we have a different book for that for the girls called Uncompromising Purity by Kelsey Skoke, because women truly need feminine answers to these problems, mm. uh, because it's not just a cookie cutter approach. We're like, here's the problem lost. Here's how you deal with it. Women have to take into consideration that they're tempted differently. They're tempted differently at different times of the month. It's tied into the feminine cycle as well. And so you've got, and that's what we address in that book that Kelsey Skoke wrote called Uncompromising Purity. But um, yeah, for, for the guys, you know, each chapter of this book, each day is kind of like a different weapon in your arsenal um, because you're going to need all of them at different times. And you've got to be prepared at these different moments of temptation. Okay, what do I need to do right now? I'm tempted in this way or this is coming up. And so at the end of the day, you know, freedom isn't like a destination. So it's like, okay, I finished the program. I'm scot-free. I mean, it'd be great if we could give you some money back guarantee. It was during 33 days and you're done. It's like, no, this is going to be a battle for the rest of your life. But if you can be well equipped for this battle and know what to do, then, hey, you can attain victory. Uh, because purity isn't really so much like a destination. Because, I mean, heaven is the destination. Purity of heart is the means by which we get there. 
And so these strategies, these practical tools, to me, it's just what guys need. We don't need abstract general theological principles as much as we need specific strategies. Okay, how do I do this? This battle's tough. I feel like I'm getting beat up and and I need I need I need I need to beef up my arsenal, so to speak, to be able to win some of these battles on a daily basis. And that's what we're trying to do with the Forge program. Praise God. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing this. Uh, such an important project. Um, it is now available and we can announce right here live in Australia, you can go to perusiamedia.com, click on store, and you'll see this as a featured product, brand new. Get your copy today. Um, please do, do yourself a favor. Do your children, your brothers, your uncles, you know, whoever it is, people around you, get copies for them. I think uh, you, you've released this in during Advent, leading up to Christmas. Seriously, if you, why not? For Christmas, um, this is an interesting gift. People may not want to talk about it, but what a way to start a discussion and, and get talking to something that we hide from. Um, and so Forged, a brand new book, uh, Matt Frad, Jason Everett uh, from Totus Tours Press and Perusia are, are pleased to be partnering here in the region of Australia and New Zealand. So all you Aussies and Kiwis, please get onto the website and get your copy today. Go to perusiamedia.com. It's on the screen now. Um, and now those around the world, because we are in the middle of the Advent pilgrimage, we have over 110 countries represented. So those outside of Australia and New Zealand, Jason, where can they go? Uh, yeah, for, for us, you just go to chastity.com. So C-H-A-S-T-I-T-Y.com. You can get the books there. We only sell them in pairs because uh, we want guys to do this together. It's not some Lone Ranger thing. Yes. So whether it's father, son, two guys in the dorm, two roommates or whatever, you just go to chastity.com there. And then you can also connect with our podcast, which is called Lust is Boring. And anyone can listen to that worldwide on any of the podcast platforms. And each week we're tackling a different subject taking a deep dive on this issue and every other issue related to God's plan for human love. Awesome, awesome. Please take advantage of this. Get to it now. And, and Jason, Advent, just a final word. Um, uh, yourself, family, uh, how are you guys spending Advent leading up to Christmas? Well, I always say, you know, we just got to keep in mind whose birthday is coming up. You know, yeah. we always think it's like our birthday on December 25th. Like, okay, what, what do I want here? It isn't our birthday. You know, it's his. And, and so what is the one thing you could kind of give a God who has everything well, the one thing he doesn't have, which is your sin. And so get to confession before December 25th. Um, go. I mean, it's the greatest gift you could give to him is that gift of giving yourself a pure heart, the gift of giving him all those sins. Not just going to confession, but having a great confession, getting it all out there. Even that stuff you may have kind of tucked behind your back the last 10 times you went to confession. That happened a long time ago. Kind of embarrassed about that one. Get it all out so that you can walk out of that confessional as pure as the day that you were baptized. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for joining us today. Thanks for really unpacking this book. Uh, we've only scratched the surface. There's so much to it. I want to wish everyone a blessed Advent because it's not Christmas yet. We're preparing for it. And uh, once it is Christmas, then we can wish you Merry Christmas. But please prepare your best for, for, for this great feast um, and do it as a family. And what a great gift. Uh, Jason, can we close in prayer? And just uh, to note, you've dedicated the book to Mary. It's the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. I also mentioned at the start of the show the 150-year anniversary dedication to St. Joseph as the patron of the church. You've mentioned in chapter 30, go to St. Joseph in the book, and then you, 31 is Behold Your Mother. So there's no coincidence here um, that we are talking on this very day um, and about this book. Can we close in prayer and uh, maybe return to St. Joseph and Our Lady? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family, we turn our hearts to you. 
and we bring to you all of our, not only our hopes in this area, uh, bring to you all our struggles, all our brokenness, our weakness, and we just give that to you, knowing that, you know, redemption was made possible in and through the family. And so we pray for healing in our own families. Uh, we ask forgiveness for the times that we have caused our families to be in need of healing because of our own negligence, our own selfishness and pride and impurity, our sloth in our prayer. And so please bless our families and all the areas that they're wounded. Give us merciful hearts um, that our homes can be little Nazareth, a little Bethlehem, uh, where Christ can truly come to us this Advent season. So that all glory may be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Jason. God bless you. Praying for you. Pray for us. And thank you, everybody out there watching this show.